Welcome to the Oddcast, tales of teaching and hands-on learning at Hendricks College. Season 3 was recorded in the weeks directly following the spring closure of Hendricks due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Like everyone else, we were learning and adjusting to the new normal. We appreciate your understanding, and please enjoy the Oddcast. definitely a wild one but it was really fun to do I mean it, it sounds it sounds expansive is one thing like just like we should just get into it um so tell me a little bit about yourself and uh and then kind of segue that into telling me about how your project came to be yeah sure uh so I'm Tristan Norman I'm a I guess now a fully graduated senior at Hendricks College. I turned in my last uh, assignment yesterday, a big dinosaurs assignment. Uh, Congratulations. <laughs> thanks, thanks. I I never thought it'd be so hard to like type like three sentences, which all I needed to do, but it took me like 30 minutes. So very happy to have that in. I did a interdisciplinary major in social entrepreneurship and innovation. So it's using... Uh, sort of creative business models or business nonprofit hybrids to try to promote solutions to social or environmental problems. So you can have like a business model that could be used to solve that particular social and environmental issue. And so you use, you know, capital funds, resources, you know, different things you'd use in business. And you try your best to implement that in solving it in a community or in a city or with, you know, government support. And so the Odyssey project came around uh, whenever I was working. It kind of had its beginning while I was at a nonprofit called the City of Hope Outreach here in Conway. I was doing a Hendrix internship and, uh, you know, I was working and having to deal with, uh, you know, trying to reconcile coming from a pretty wealthy middle-class background and then working within different, you know, at-risk communities in Conway, Arkansas, and having to address issues such as poverty or healthcare access and all sorts of things like that. And so I was feeling like really dejected one day. So I went to the you know local library. I normally like to try to find a book to read, to, you know, get my mind off things. And then I found this book uh, by Muhammad Yunus. He's a uh, Nobel Peace Prize winner. He kind of developed the microloan finance and Grameen Bank that some people have heard about over the years. And, uh, you know, I opened the book and it had his uh, autograph in it, his signature. And I was like, whoa, this is absolutely insane because he's kind of like the uh, social entrepreneur godfather. We kind of worship him in our down downtime. And it was like really <laughs> cool. I was just like, wow, this is kind of, you know, fortuitous. And so I started reading it that summer. I approached Dr. Hayden Chomposi. He's a you know environmental economics professor at Hendricks College. He's really fun. Uh, I started talking to him about it, some of the ideas about you know he's also really passionate about using economics or using different business models to try to better things, whether it's through welfare or you know conservation or climate change related issues. You know he's uh, really on board and really open minded for it. So he you know spent some time listening to me and me ranting and going crazy about, you know, the ideas that I saw in this book. And I'm like, and I approached him about, about uh, doing an Odyssey project, uh, researching Muhammad Yunus and his impact. And so uh, Muhammad Yunus has an idea around microcredit loans, which is sort of like, you know, you're giving out 
small, very low interest rate loans to people that are in need. He sort of started it in uh, Bangladesh while he was an economics professor there. And so Grameen Bank means like village bank. And so he would go in and lend out his own money or money of his friends to uh, women that were sort of like in debt to loan sharks that were charging ridiculous amounts of uh, interest on these loans and kind of like keeping them in a cycle of poverty. And so he wanted mm -hmm. to try to create a new system by which they could not only become entrepreneurs in themselves and provide for their families, but sort of help rise themselves out of poverty and not rely on donations, not rely on uh, a philanthropic organization that may or may not actually care about the people in that community. And so it's very much giving them their own agency and their own means to you know, be creative and create for themselves. And it was a really interesting idea. And so in the book, he builds off of it and he does a... And so, yeah, he develops this idea called social business, which is sort of a business model where, you know, investors put in their money and they put in their money expecting a social return, a social impact rather than a financial one. They only get back their investments. And so it's really kind of interesting way of looking at business, looking at, you know, how it can be used to really solve the things a lot of business, a lot, a lot of things we claim businesses to uh, be particular problems in exasperating social issues or poverty issues or, you know, uh, polluting the mm -hmm. economy, uh, polluting the environment. And so it was a really, really interesting idea. And so I contacted the UNIS Center in Bangladesh. You know, the UNIS Center has been around for about 20 years. You know, Grameen Bank exploded into different Grameen enterprises. So you have Grameen Solar Energy, you have Grameen Telephones, you have Grameen Fisheries, Education, uh, lots and lots of different sort of initiatives that are providing for the poor and needy in Bangladesh. And so I got accepted to go to the UNIS Center to go and interview Muhammad Yunus and go and get be given a tour of Grameen Enterprises. So I would go see Grameen Bank. I would go to different areas in Bangladesh to go, see, you know, sort of look at its impact. And so the original, you know, design of the Odyssey was to go to Bangladesh and get that firsthand experience. You know, I read about them, his work in the books and trying to see, you know, where it is in the future. But at the same time, uh, I was studying abroad in China, so I was having some complications getting my visa processed for Bangladesh before I left because of the, you know, Chinese visa deadline. And so mm -hmm. I ended up going to China and trying to do the visa process there. And they said I'd have to surrender my passport. And I'm like, oh, no, there's no way I'm surrendering my passport. I had a little bit of a panic moment where I contacted Dr. Barth and I said, Dr. Barth, I can't go to Bangladesh. I'm going to have to redesign this project, you know, while I'm in a different country, just through email. And I contacted Dr. Barth and I contacted Dr. Joe Posey and I realized that uh, through talking with the Unicenter that they were having a social business summit uh, with UNIS and with the United Nations and with the Paris Olympic Committee and all these different governments and organizations and uh, they were having it in Bangkok, Thailand. It's a two-day summit where they bring about 1,500 uh, social entrepreneurs, you know, leaders in their fields to one area, and they give sort of like a two-day report on the activities that they're doing in their different countries and, you know, uh, the success of their initiatives and their partnerships. And it's a big, you know, 
mixer and I decided to go to that and it was one of the best decisions that I've made. So you were able to kind of pivot from your original plan and get to attend this this summit that had a lot of those kind of minds you were looking to study, yes, right? Yes, in a way it's a much better plan than the original. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect the original one to go so wrong, but you know, with a little perseverance, you could turn it around a little bit. Yeah, it's well, that sounds like a really positive experience and to get a lot of different um, cultures too that are working towards their own country social uh, businesses. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. There was uh, people from China, uh, Thailand, Japan, Taiwan, even the Chinese and Taiwan, Taiwanese delegation actually got along. And I'm like, well, this is surreal. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's, it's the person to person level versus the political sort of thing, oh, yeah. right? That, it, that I think it sounds like that's kind of what the what the social business programs are all about is it's a person to person, yeah. not a umbrella. Well, definitely like during some of their presentations, uh, you know, different organizations from different countries will talk about their impact and, you know, give a yearly report or a few years report and talk about their vision. And then after they would give their presentation in the mixer afterwards, uh, random social entrepreneurs and corporations would go and offer their full-fledged support so there wasn't competition there was only you know normally you think of businesses as always competing with each other but in this environment everybody was freely sharing resources freely sharing networks and that's really rare you know you, you don't normally see that outright mm-hmm. yeah it's a really interesting idea to apply business principles to it, it's kind of like I keep thinking of this and I don't know what it is. It's probably from a TV show or, you know what? I think it's Agents (laughs) of S.H.I.E.L.D. where they have, and and like Men in Black, where they have patents on these little devices so that they can keep funding themselves. And that's kind of what it keeps making me think of is it's giving people the ability to create something to keep themselves funded. No, it's it's definitely, and and it unleashes like tons of creativity you get kind of the best minds in the room that also want to do good that also want to have a good impact and i think that really speaks a lot to our generation of like people that are concerned about climate change or uh, migration or any sort of issues that are also you know social or political issues they now have a means to be able to uh, address it in a you know really dynamic way i think one thing i also realized at the uh, summit was like there's it kind of creates a platform for so many different people to come together so one thing that's unique about social enterprise is that it solves problems faced by the government faced by businesses and faced by community if your community is hit by something as such as coronavirus you might have to have all hands on deck to be able to solve that you know you might have to have government mm-hmm. subsidies or support you might need to have you know private resources and supply chains, you know, with pet capacities to really solve that. And then you might need to have a community lens to where you need to look at what is actually needed in this community to solve this problem. What are the people asking for? And so social enterprise is kind of unique in that it brings all those, it has the capacity to bring all those voices together. And so they can, you know, really work together. And I think that's, you know, some of its hidden potential is it's, you know, sort of like altruistic direction at solving that particular problem. That's what I was really thrilled by it because right. you know, back in freshman year, I was like, oh, godless heathen business majors, you know, only want to make profits. 
and everything. <laughs> I was pretty adamant about it. You know, I was wanting to be an anthrosocial major and, you know, didn't want anything to do with it. But then I realized, uh, you know, I want to try to find tools to actually solve the problems that I care about and maybe widen the uh, voices that I can talk with. You know, I could be as comfortable talking with somebody that's an activist as I would a business person. I think you're right. The the upcoming generation has been raised in an area where they're seeing businesses thrive and, and they're noticing all these world problems. I have seen such energy and creativity, whether it's from like climate strikes or, you know, just general discussion on social media or just in person at Hendrix. You know, we have some amazing ideas and amazing energy into find different avenues for people to express that, whether that's in social change activism or uh, conferences or, you know, business models that you put your time and effort and energy into. You know, I think you're going to see a much larger impact in the next 10 or 20 years, or at least larger discussion. And that's what's really exciting to me. I keep thinking about uh, Patagonia yeah, yeah. as an example of a, mm -hmm. a for-profit business that is also very positive environmentally and you know god has gone so far as to say mm -hmm. stop buying our stuff yeah no it's <laughs> it's a benefit corporation um, so it's in their design and their mission to have that and so most people think you can't reconcile having a good impact and being profitable but you know in the next 20 30 years if you think of like climate change probably some of the most profitable industries will be trying to solve the impacts of climate change in order to have a healthy economy or to have resilience building capacity you kind of have to really consider you know whether you're an investor or whether you're uh, just a business in your community how do you mitigate climate risk or the impacts of that and so there's a lot of buzz and discussion even around um, you know especially at that summit uh, Eunice was really stressing that business as usual is in transition regardless of whether we want to accept it or not you know the biggest commercial banks and investment companies are all asking themselves the question, you know, how do we uh, mitigate the risks of climate change? How do we promote resilience, not only for our investments, but also for our communities? And so that's largely a part to the pressure of, you know, stakeholders like people in the community, but also they recognize that without doing the work on their part, there's not a much of a future for anything that they do. And so it's very much a, you know, kind of a vested interest, but hopefully that vested interest will turn into like a really, you know, altruistic energy to try to do something. It's kind of the thing we're seeing now with um, so many folks not traveling for work. And there's already been some pretty significant mm -hmm. environmental changes. Yeah, it's super exciting. And it seems like such a small thing though. You know, when I say, I just think about myself not traveling, everybody's not doing it then every little bit, it really yeah, does yeah. make that big difference. Uh, Some of the corporations have been talking about how work from home might be a more common mm, thing for them mm. in general. I mean, there's a lot of talk, like among social enterprises, but also amongst the United Nations to, you know, now is the time to really push in that low carbon development or that low carbon intensive, you know, economy to try to better react to climate change, like coronavirus mm -hmm. kind of like, Get, so, so, uh, made us see the vulnerabilities within our systems, but also newer ways to look at it and to tackle mm -hmm. it. And so I hope that in the next 20 years, you'll see lots more people join the discussion.
Well, so tell me, um, just to pivot off a little bit of the um, more serious (laughs) stuff, um, tell me about one of your your favorite experiences of of your project. All right. Yeah, this will be fun. So whenever I was booking, I ended up dragging my friend, Sean Finney. Uh, He's from Concordia College in Minnesota. We were both foreign exchange students. We were staying behind at our university, and I can try to, you know, raggle him in saying, hey, I'm going to the summit. You also like business, and you also like, you know, helping people. Come with me. And it took me, like, a couple of weeks to convince him to buy a ticket with me to Thailand. And buy him a t- I even offered to buy him uh, his conference ticket. I'm like, you have to come with me because I don't want to go alone. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so I felt 20 times better to have a buddy with me. And so I ended up booking the hotel, and I ended up meet- reading the map wrong, and my little hostel in this random part of Bangkok was a good hour and a half walk from <laughs> the summit location. Oh, <laughs> and no. we had already been ripped off by taxi drivers and scammed and every other every other place in Bangkok was a tourist scam. So we were trying to find a way to dodge any scam we wanted to run, go into because we didn't want to get into a, you know, tut-tut machine or a taxi because we were like oh this ain't gonna mm-hmm. work so we decided to wake up super early we had to put on our business suits and then walk through thailand in really hot humid weather and so we woke up around six because the conference was at eight and you know started trekking we had our phones and hopefully we didn't run out of data or any sort of connection problems and uh it was pretty interesting. We got a lot of really strange looks about why are these two people walking around in suits at this early in the morning, but uh, we ended up making it to the conference a little early. Ended up going to the wrong side of the building, had to go all the way back to the right side. It was in this hotel, and then sure enough, because of that detour that we made going to the wrong side, we're walking up, and uh, this big limousine pulls up, and I'm like, oh, I wonder who this is, because we had some pretty big people there. Uh, and it was really wild. I'm just like, maybe this is somebody important, like an actor or a UN person. Well, sure enough, uh, the door opens and Muhammad Yunus comes out of the uh, limousine. <laughs> I'm like 10 feet away. I'm My eyes get really big. I just stop and I freak out. And he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to pretend like I've seen this every day and, you know, not freak out and fangirl right now. And so I go through the side door and I'm just like, all right, you know, just going to keep walking, go to the hotel receptionist, ask, you know, uh, you know, is this the Unicenter uh, conference? She's like, yes, head up to the third floor. So I get on the elevator, it opens, and then I go out into the lobby. And then coming out of the next elevator, again, is Muhammad Yunus and his little group. And I'm just like, you know, this is not the way I'm supposed to meet this person. And so... No, I keep on walking. I'm not going to rush up because I'm pretty sure everybody rushes up to him and wants to take a photo or talk to him. And so I ended up going through the conference and uh, it was later in that day. I had some really fantastic speakers. And then I go to the restroom and then I come out of the restroom and washing his hands and the sink is mom and Eunice. And I'm like, this is not how I'm going to introduce myself. <laughs> <laughs> There's all these run-ins with my idol, and I'm like, this is this is not the way. I, I, I refuse to fall into this trap. And it ended up, the second day, uh, 
we were sitting with some of the Unicenter interns. They were interns from India and Thailand. They were working at the Unicenter and sort of being the volunteers for the summit. We ended up talking with them to around 6 p.m. and not realizing that the summit had ended. And we were like, I, I was like, oh, no, I've missed my chance. He's probably already left. So I go back into the big conference room and I hear this singing and I'm like, wow, this is absolutely weird. And so I go in there and it turns out it's Muhammad Yunus's birthday. Every social business day is <gasps> goes on the year, uh, each year is his birthday. So people come and celebrate him. You have Matt Damon, Malala Yusuf, UN Secretary General, everybody's calling in, Pope Francis wishing him happy birthday. And so every year the social enterprises and social businesses uh, share their ideas and share their growth, but also share their thanks to Eunice and sort of like he says that everybody that's doing social business or social entrepreneurship on that day is his birthday present. And so uh, we walk in and all these really fantastic speakers, they're all singing him happy birthday and they invite us over and they're like, here, come enjoy, have cupcakes with us. You know, I got to be there for his birthday celebration and it was really cool. I ended up talking to him at the end after my friend forced me to go and talk to him. And he's like, where are you from? He's like, I'm from Arkansas. And his eyes got really big. He's like, Arkansas, what are you doing here? And I'm like, it's going to be weird, but I got funding to come see you. I've been reading your book. Uh, anyways, we ended up talking and uh, he's like, oh, I've been to Arkansas. I'm good friends with Bill Clinton. And I'm like, really? And he's like, well, he was Governor Clinton at the uh -huh. time. And so it turns out that the first microcredit loan institution that was started outside of Bangladesh was actually in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, at the uh, invitation of Governor Clinton at the time, back in the 90s. And so Muhammad Yunus went around Arkansas and wanted to solve some of the issues related to poverty within those communities and set up a microcredit loan institution in Pine Bluff that is still there today. And that was adopted by the Clinton Foundation and their own initiatives. And so it was really interesting to see, you know, that Muhammad Yunus unbeknownst to me at all, had an actual impact in Arkansas and that me as an Arkansan going across the world to try to, you know, see him, he thought that was really funny. But I think all those random, you know, mishaps and trying to meet Eunice was really exciting because it's really funny in retrospect. It caused me a tremendous amount of anxiety in real time, but <laughs> I always thought it was a funny story. <laughs> I'm glad your friend was there to help oh, to yeah, yeah. push no, you there I'm not to, really to go nervous, talk to him. But for some reason that day, I'm just like, wow, this is almost impossible. <laughs> but this was everything. No, I'm so glad that he took the time to sit down and, and talk with you. I, and also, exactly. who and knew? I think I'm that's loved. one thing that huh. I really took from the Social Business Summit is that not only Eunice, but every single person there, no matter their uh, background, was legitimately interested in talking to you and legitimately interested in what you had to say. Because my friend and I, we were the only young people there, really, besides the volunteers. And so everybody was just like, why are these young people here? Going to that summit really, you know, pushed me and said, this is kind of what I want to do for my career, my research. And then I ended up making sort of like my observations about social enterprise and climate change resiliency building, what we were talking about earlier. I made that as the foundation of my uh, thesis mm -hmm. for my interdisciplinary major. And it's proved to be really rewarding. Probably the most rewarding Odyssey project I could have done.
Well, that's a great segue into what you have planned next <laughs> now that you're a, you're a graduate and you've got all this great knowledge and contacts. My what's your, step, uh, what's oh, your next step? I got step? accepted to be a assistant language teacher with the JET program in Japan. So I'm probably going to go and teach English for mm -hmm. a few years and, you know, have a stable job and get uh, comfortable living in a different country. I've always wanted to be an expat. So I think going and trying to push myself to learn a foreign language, you know, fluently and uh, just have some time to think and be on my own would be really beneficial to me. Well, Tristan, I really appreciate you chatting with me. Um, this is such a cool story and it's, I think, so representative of the way that, that your generation is headed, mm -hmm. is viewing environmental change and social change and business. Um, and I think it's a good representation of kind of what Hendrix is pushing for oh, when we're I mean, sending uh, students out into the world. I guess one final thing I would mention is that with international projects, if you're wanting to do an international Odyssey project abroad, something is always going to go wrong. And you have, that's part of the Odyssey learning experience is having the flexibility to, you know, completely change parts of your Odyssey while you're on the go or go through a complicated visa process or trying to go to a new country and navigate it in time to finish your Odyssey project. These are all part of the learning experiences. And so they kind of go with the punches, but they're rewarding. Oh man. I Absolutely. I have not done one of these interviews no, where every, somebody has been like, everything's the other perfect. End, yeah. Everybody like has once had you something. One that was just really <laughs> stressful, then you're like, well, now I can do any of them because they can't be as bad as the one before. <laughs> For more information on the Odyssey program or Hendrix College, please join us at hendrix.edu or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Hendrix College. Thanks for listening. <laughs>